Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The FT Hello and welcome to this edition of World Weekly. I'm Gideon Rachman. The Greek debt crisis has been rumbling on for years, but now it may be finally reaching a climax. So is Greece about to default on its debts? And what happens after that, if it happens? Joining me in the studio in London is my colleague Martin Sandbu, who's about to bring out a book on the euro crisis. And also with us is Tony Barber, the FT's Europe editor. Martin, first of all, is this finally about to reach some sort of climax, do you think? There was a very nice tweet by somebody the other day that said, Greece is down to the wire. It's a very long wire. We've been hearing since January that Greece has two weeks to come to a deal or will default. And we've always been, it seems, two weeks or three weeks away from Armageddon. It might be becoming true now. There is one payment due to the IMF at the end of this month. It's this bundled up June redemption, um, about a billion and a half euros. That's due on June 30th. And then the biggie is on July 20th, when a bond held by the European Central Bank of three and a half billion is due to be repaid. Now, if there's no deal, Greece will, maybe they'll be able to scrape together enough money for the first one, certainly not the second one. So July 20th is a hard, hard deadline. We should be aware that nobody ever thought that they would actually repay this, except with more loans from the Eurozone. So in a sense, it would just be refinancing. The difference is, do they not repay it on some sort of voluntary agreed basis, or do they not repay it in terms of a unilateral default? And that's the big political difference. Tony, uh, what do you think the Greeks are thinking? I think that uh, their strategy, insofar as one can call it coherent since January, has been to try to force the decision-making process all the way up to the level of heads of European governments. That's to say they want Angela Merkel, the German Chancellor in particular, and other Eurozone prime ministers and presidents to be the ones who strike the deal. The Greek government has never been happy with the previous process where you have a lot of technical experts deciding things and then it goes forward to finance ministers because they fear that Greece will be the one to lose out when you go into that level of detail. I think they think that they will be able to extract slightly better terms from, let's say, Angela Merkel because she has the bigger picture in mind, namely that she doesn't want to be the German Chancellor who presided over even a partial fragmentation of European monetary union. And looking at that bigger picture, there is that question of the future of Europe. There are also the broader geopolitical issues of Greece. I mean, all countries in some way in a sensitive spot, but Greece particularly. I mean, it's in southern Europe with the North African crisis just the other side of the Mediterranean. It's flirted with Russia. Presumably at some point the Americans also come into the picture. I mean, what are the geopolitical calculations that a Merkel and the European Union are having to make? I think they're particularly concerned about instability in in the Balkans. There isn't really one state there all the way from Bosnia 
to Macedonia, to Kosovo, where you could call the situation since the end of the Cold War and the Yugoslav Wars uh, stable. And I think they're worried about the way Greece, uh, if it were to fall into some sort of chaos as a result of default and even exit from the Eurozone, you'd see things like organized crime and corruption and uh, irregular migration, these kind of issues would expand in scope. I think that's the real worry. It's not so much that Greece would suddenly try and align itself with Russia. So Martin, those are the kind of pressures that are pushing the Eurozone to saying, look, however infuriating the Greeks, we've got to try and keep them inside the club. But give us a sense of why do you think they are being so hardline? I and mean, what are the pressures in the other direction that are making them say, no, we're not going to make a deal? I think there's a, a mix of things. First, there's just sheer exasperation. And then there is this moralizing on both sides. Of course, the Greeks, with some justification, say that partly their democracy has been suspended, there have been technocratic decisions imposed on them, and some of them haven't been all that good. The program, we have to be clear, has not been a great success. And then, of course, on the creditor side, it's much more seen as we have extended a helping hand, we've helped the Greeks... They've just kept cheating and not fulfilled their side of the commitments. So there is this moralizing on both sides that has left the politics, I think, very deeply poisoned. And then I think a final point is some sense of complacency. I think many Eurozone decision makers now think this is not 2010, it's not 2012. We have firewalls in place. Even if Greece goes, it's not going to harm us all that much. As you know, the European Court of Justice this week finally gave its verdict on the European Central Bank's rescue sort of insurance policy to buy bonds in an emergency and said this is legal. So we know that the ammunition is there to protect the rest of the eurozone if worse comes to worst. But you said, do you think that might be a bit complacent? And I've noticed uh, our paper today was reporting that actually bond yields are beginning to rise in Spain and Italy, which suggests that uh, investors are beginning to think about the implications of Greece going and not just seeing this as a completely isolated case. I think it is complacent. And the reason is that investors don't just judge countries by the fundamentals, if you like, by how good the economies are and how well run the public finances are, but also on whether this currency is going to continue to exist. So no matter how well, let's say, Spain manages its finances, if you think that the euro is not going to exist 10 years from now, or that Spain will not be in it, or that there's a slight chance of that, then you're probably going to demand a higher risk premium on your investments in Spain. It's as simple as that. So yes, there is complacency because if any country leaves the Eurozone, then of course, something that happens once can happen again. But meanwhile, of course, on the other side of the ledger, I don't know whether the Greeks are complacent, but there are many in Greece who say, look, if we're not going to get debt relief, we've got to get out of the euro. Others say, no, no, that would be an invitation to disaster. So let's say Greece defaults. What happens the next day, Tony? Well, I think that the chances that Syriza, the ruling party, the radical leftist party in Greece, could hold together under those circumstances, that strikes me as rather unlikely because there have always been divisions of opinion within Syriza about the merits of staying in the euro. There is a hardline group that has never wanted to be in it at all and would happily get out, whether they've made a correct economic calculation is an altogether different matter. And then there are some that are more inclined to strike a compromise deal with Greece's creditors. Now, those strains would come rapidly to the surface in the event of a default, and I think it's unlikely that the government would be able to stay in power. 
what might happen? What would happen to ordinary people, though? I mean, people say the banks would start to shut up, people would lose their savings. Quite a lot of people have already taken their savings or large amounts of their savings out of uh, their bank accounts already. It depends if you were to see the introduction of some kind of emergency script currency, then surely uh, the experience shows that the value of that script would be very, very rapidly uh, marked down against the euro. I was in Greece a few weeks ago, and one estimate that I received from a banker there was he expected it would go down to about 60% of its value against the euro within a matter of so days. So you get very high inflation because Greece imports energy, imports food. Yes, you would have inflation. More to the point, I think you'd have a kind of seizure of business activity as a result of the shock to confidence. I would add that what happens on the day after a default, if default does happen, depends not just on Greece, in fact, much less on Greece than on the European Central Bank. This will be the day when the politicians, both in Greece and in the Eurozone at large, basically throw their hands up and say, we didn't manage to come to a deal. The ECB has to keep deciding how to relate to the Greek banking system, which are now entirely dependent on liquidity from what is called the euro system, basically the system in which the euro is created as a currency. And the ECB has obviously tried to avoid as much as it can being seen to play a political role. But it will be up to the ECB to decide on what conditions it will keep helping the Greek banks. But can it keep helping the Greek banks if the country's defaulted? It's got that option. Well, technically, what the ECB has to look at is whether the banks are solvent, not whether the country is solvent. Those things are, of course, very closely related. Because the banks hold paper from the country. They do, but, but not all that much. I mean, it's also the economic turmoil that could sink the banks. But as late as this week, in the European Parliament on Monday, Mario Draghi, the president of the ECB, said the Greek banks are solvent. This is what they established in their stress test back in October. And this is still the ECB official view. You even heard private rating agencies, SNP, said this week that even if Greece defaults on its official creditors, that doesn't automatically count as a default against the private sector. So there's actually a lot of room for manoeuvre in the legal intricacies of this. Mm, And that room, of course, will be filled up with central bank politics. Draghi is not the sort of man, I don't think, who will want to be the central banker that let the euro unravel. He is not alone. He has a governing council to reckon with on which there are some, let's not call them enemies, but people who are not all that sympathetic to the Greek situation. And uh, we're going to have to wrap it up in a second, but there's just one other angle I'd like to cover. Let's say the Greece defaults. I mean, in some sense, that's Europe washing its hands of the situation. But do you not then immediately get a backlash in Germany, Finland, all these countries that have loaned money to Greece, told their taxpayers there's no risk, we'll get it back? At that point, does Chancellor Merkel not have to say, well, I made a big miscalculation and I've just flushed away billions of euros worth of German taxpayers' money? Well, I would make two very simple points. One is that the day after the default is only the beginning of a continuing process. Things don't end there. No doubt there will be exactly those reactions. But from experience, no default is ever total. There was an article in the FT just this week showing the range of recovery values, as they call from sovereign defaults, and they go from 5% to 95%. So some money would come back, and that would depend on continued negotiations. The other point is, it might not be very well appreciated in Germany, but 90% of the money that's been lent hasn't actually gone to cover Greek spending. It's gone to pay off old loans, and the creditors to many of those loans were, in fact, German banks. 
But nonetheless, Tony, I mean, just to wind it up, looking at this situation, I mean, even if they can find a technical fix, the political damage to the European Union is enormous now because of the rows that have been had. It's hard to see Greece, Germany and et al going back to a kind of normal relationship anytime soon. What one finds when one travels outside Europe and talks to people from, say, uh, America or Asia is that there's a degree of uh, frustration and incomprehension at why, given the importance that European policymakers attach to European Union and integration, that they can end up getting themselves into this tangle and a problem that seems increasingly insoluble. And I think that the reputational damage, yes, that would be uh, pretty serious. But as uh, Martin has indicated, a default wouldn't be the end of the process. It would simply be the start of a new process. And it's highly likely, indeed, I think, certain that Greece's European partners would have to remain involved in financial support and other forms of support for Greece, even after a default. Well, that suggests to me that we may be doing podcasts on Greece well into the future, but that's it for this week. So thank you very much, Martin Sanbu. Thanks also to Tony Barber here in the studio. Until next week, goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts.